All right, Peter. So from the podcast, Peter, we're becoming famous. And this week I had a chance to go have lunch with a friend's nephew, which is weird that he found us. He just found our, our podcast. He then found, I was in Utah. He then found I was friends with his uncle. So I had a lunch meeting. Nice. So his question was, is how do I get into venture capital? So I think that the summary was there was one of two ways I would kind of go about it. So one, I could intern for a VC fund. Yep. Uh, two, I could create a syndicate to build experience, to find investments for other, you know, for rich people. Sure. Um, and help startup get, get funded. Or three, which is the one I recommend the most was go intern with the university growth fund for two years. And, but we're a venture fund. You are a venture fund. But you're a very different venture fund. That's true. Because most venture funds, I think they're just going to give you random tasks to go do. Go, yeah. go, 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 call. For example, um, I've got a friend who worked for Battery Ventures. Mm-hmm. And all he did was prospect picking up the phone. And I don't think that teaches you how to be a VC. Yeah. So I would not recommend I think recommend it teaches you like one part of being a VC. Like deal sourcing is definitely part of being a VC. But there's so much more to being a VC, right? Right. Um, there's but even, like due diligence, there's raising funds, there's talking to LPs, there's, I mean, you know this, right? But yeah. Yeah. So he was helping on that. So I said, of all the options, go work with the University Growth Fund. So here's the plug because, like, not only, like, you are actually fulfilling the role of a VC and Peter and Tom run you through how to do that and you're making the investment decisions. So it's, it's much more hands on experience. And then you're learning on someone else's dime and with great mentorship. Because I think to really be great, you have to, it's like the 10,000 hour principle, but the secret of not only of the 10,000 hour principle is you have to have good mentorship. Yeah. You can't just be doing things randomly on your own. Yeah. But hopefully. It's, it's like 10,000 good hours, not just 10,000 yeah. hours. Right. And hopefully I don't offend him, but I think it's really important to be honest. But I felt like he walked away and being like, I don't want to do the hard thing. I want to do the easy thing. That sounds really cool right now because I'm awesome. Yeah. And I, so what was that thing that he wanted to do? The thing he wanted to do is he's like, I want to be a VC, like, as fast as possible today. That's yeah. how I read it. And everything I said, like, hey, work with Peter. So again, this is my advice, not, not only for him, but for everyone is like, Peter's fund is great if you're looking to do it. Yeah. Well, if you can make it work, right? Because you have to be a student, you have to be in Utah or Atlanta mm-hmm. or San Diego. So there are some constraints there, but yeah. Or, or try and find some similar experience to what we offer, right? I mean, mm-hmm. one of the fun things about what we do is to your point, right? The students actually drive the process. They do the due diligence. They get to vote on the deals. They get to talk directly with the management team and ask the hard-hitting questions. So, But I think that's unique, and I don't think a lot of people yeah. will get that. That's true. It is unique. So he wanted to what? Go do syndicates or something like that? So I said the other option would be go create a syndicate. And so that's yeah. what this podcast is going to be about. And the question would be is if you were starting a syndicate today, which you're not, at least I assume you're not. Mm. So this is not investment advice. I have too much too much going on. <laughs> this, this is not legal financial advice. This is just nor am I fundraising. <laughs> hypothetically, what would you do? So I'm not fundraising for a syndicate. I have personally rejected the opportunity to start multiple syndicates and we can talk about why I haven't done that and I'm not doing that. Yeah. But like we can we can dive into that there. So first of all, Peter, what is a syndicate and why would that be a route for someone who wants to get into venture capital? Yeah, so broadly speaking, like the idea, and and we've talked about this before on the show, is if you want to work in venture capital, one of the things that you really need to do is build a track record, especially if at some point you want to raise a fund. And so, you know, one of the ideas that I that I've shared many times 
is go find some, you know, very successful entrepreneur that sold their business. They're sitting on, you know, a hundred million bucks or something or more and basically say, Hey, let me be your guy to, to go hunt down deals and, and do the due diligence and do the heavy lifting and invest your money. Right. Uh, and kind of be their arms and legs because, you know, that's something that you can offer, right. Even if you don't have the money and by doing that, you can build a track record. Like this is essentially what Diogo did right mm -hmm. over at album. And that's kind of how he cut his teeth on venture. And, you know, that's paid really strong dividends for him. Syndicates is basically taking it one step further. But so, Diogo, Diogo did it by partnering with a specific individual, Warren Osborne, yeah. who was a high net worth individual. So he was really kind of like a syndicate for one person. And that's what I was going to say, right? That's what I'm saying is he, he partnered with one person. And so like to take it like to the next level as a syndicate where you're essentially partnering not with one person, but with multiple high net worth individuals, right? And so you go and you do the heavy lifting of like, hunting down deals, doing the due diligence, getting an allocation in the deal, right? A lot of those things. And then you go out to your group of high net worth individuals and you gather investment commitments from them. You bundle it all up into typically an SPV, a single purpose vehicle, which is just a legal entity to do one deal. And you invest through that vehicle, right? That's the basic idea. Um, there's uh, groups like Angel List that have really like institutionalized this idea. So they have this new product, newish product called angel list syndicates where uh you can basically set up a fund and your high net worth individuals will commit to investing in your fund a certain amount every year right so like maybe they commit i don't know a hundred thousand dollars to your fund but you can also each year they and, can commit per deal too and right? they can commit per deal or they can like double down on deals that mm -hmm. they really like right and then you as the fund manager get to take some fee off of that uh, it ranges, but I think it's what, like 10% carry, 10 to 20% carry. And Jason Calcanis has this, like what he calls the syndicate too, right? That's, it would be another example. I think he uses Assure to power that one. Yeah. But I mean, he started on angel list too and got off and got off, but yeah. And there are a bunch of these syndicates out there. Um, usually they sur they're surrounded by somebody who has access to deal flow. And this is where it gets really hard, where if you're new to venture, Part of the problem you have is like selection bias, right? Where like if you're some upstart with like no experience, no track record, like why, and I'm a great entrepreneur, why am I going to give you access to my deal, right? If it's, if I'm really that good, I'm going to give it to Jason. I'm going to give it to one of the like many, many other people that have a bigger, stronger brand and track record, right? Mm -hmm. And they're, they're going to carry more cachet because that's super valuable. Like if I get Jason Calcanis to invest in my startup, you better bet that I'm going to brag about that to like every single other person, whether they're customers, whether they're employees I want to hire, whether they're venture capitalists that I want to raise money from in the future. Like there's real value there, right? Because he's built, you know, a pretty strong track record and a very strong brand. So basically Bless you have you. a you. lot of stuff against you, right? That you're, mm -hmm. you're working, to, working for. So I don't know, but the flip side is you got time, right? Like Jason Calcanis, like, he doesn't have time to go like chase down deals. He's got he's got to like hire a whole support staff. Oh yeah, he's got like an that. entire team. Yeah. So you but, know but that like, is where you can have like a bit of an advantage. It's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm mm -hmm. gonna hustle. I'm gonna chase down deals. But basically, syndicates get paid three to eight percent of the commitment in cash, right? Yeah, I mean it varies. Sometimes it varies. it's like two sometimes two percent per year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then yeah, then they're getting carry.
Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't even get management fee, right? Maybe some in a lot of cases when AngelOdge first started, if I remember correctly, it was just like you pull it together and you get like ten percent of the carry, mm-hmm. and, and that was kind of it. And some syndicates you don't even need to put cash in. So like, if I were to start a syndicate, and I'm not. I would yeah. probably create a rule of I'm only going to show you a deal if I'm willing to put five, ten, or twenty percent of the the allocation in. Yeah, which is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're gonna, if you get like a million dollar allocation, you got to put in ten percent. That's a hundred grand of your pocket. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that are just starting in venture capital, they don't have a hundred grand to drop on one deal. Right? right, but like for example, if I were to do one, I would say, hey, let's give me an allotment for a quarter of a million. Yeah, and I'll put in twenty five k. So there's ten percent. Yep, and then that would be a much better signal to everyone else involved that I'm fully committed to the deals I'm I'm bringing to you. Yeah, that's Cause, true. Because anyone can. Anyone can put a deal in front of a billionaire. Sure. It's not that hard. Sure. But to actually show commitment and take it to the next level would be a strong signal. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I would say anybody can put a deal in front of a billionaire. But yeah, certainly like just throwing deals up against the wall is a lot easier than actually like having some skin in the game. I found it really easy as a college student to infiltrate angel investing networks. Yeah. And to like hobnob with those people. Yeah. That's so, true. I don't, I'm not saying it's like super hard, but like you're also like a little more like outgoing and good at networking, those types of I'm, things. I'm just average, guys, just average. So if don't I can do it, I think a lot of people can do it. That's fair. Um, so if you were to start a syndicate, how yeah. would you do it? Would you, what would you do today? Like, let's say you were this, like this individual. No, like, let's just talk about you instead of this individual. That way they can learn from you. Would you focus on an industry? Would you focus on a geographic area? Because I think... To, to really be beneficial for a syndicate, I think you have to have a focus, much like a lot of VCs have a, a, yeah. a, a thesis. Yeah. So you can't just be, hey, here's any deal we find amazing. Hey, there's this really cool biotech company. Hey, there's this solar company we find that's interesting. Hey, there's a, you know, a, a, a consumer pro, you know, CPG consumer product mm-hmm. company. Let's do this. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Look, I think there are two ways to approach it and, and you could do one or the other or both, frankly. So one is to have a strategy where like you are laser focused onto like one thing, right? So, you know, you're like auto tech, like that's my thing. Like, and I've got, I'm going to target investors in the auto tech space to kind of understand it. And I'm going to only do auto tech deals and I'm just going to own that. And I'm going to build like a really strong network so I can add tons of value to the companies that I back. And like, that's my thing, right? So like very kind of niche focus around what you're going to invest in. I think that's one way to go. Uh, And if you have a lot of expertise in a particular area or industry, like that's, there's a lot of value there. I think the other way to go about it is to say, um, where's the need from the investor base? So like, where are people wanting to invest, but for whatever reason, they don't have access. It could be that they don't have access because they don't have time, which is really my thesis around partnering with a high net worth individual that just sold his company and, you know, mostly wants to sit on the beach. Right. And you can, but still wants to do deals sometimes and you can help them with that. Right. So they're not getting access because they don't have the time or they don't want to devote the time, which is totally reasonable. Or it could be that like, they just frankly don't have the networks, the connections, those types of things. Uh, and so then you're trying, you're basically creating a product for the, that investor base. So like, and it, you know, we've talked about this before, maybe you set up like a syndicate for executives, right? So you go to, you know, the, the founder CEO of a lot of these tech companies oftentimes has access to great deals, 
right? Through their networks and their relationships. But like the tier down, the C-suite and the VP level down another level, they make decent money, right? Uh, And especially if they've been hopping startup to startup over the last like 10 years, they may actually have made like a few million dollars, uh, but they but they may not have the same level of access, and so going to them and ba- and kind of pulling in their checks could be like an interesting strategy, right? Because you're taking advantage of like this pain point in the market where like maybe they would like to invest, but they don't they don't have the the access. So that I think that could be an interesting strategy. So what like what let's say you like literally started a syndicate today, where would you focus? Like this individual, and I think when we had lunch, I'm like this is a bad idea, but thinking about it now, I mean, I, I don't think I'm in this space enough, but he came from the, from tech for construction companies mm-hmm. and his uncle was saying, Hey, you could focus on that. So like, if I were like, so one, do you think that space is big enough to say, Hey, that my focus is going to focus on anything tech related to construction? Uh, potentially only because there are probably a lot of people that have made a lot of money in real estate and particularly from like a developer perspective, construction perspective, that would like to be investing, you know, diversifying into venture and you could go to them and raise money from them. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're frankly like going to be a little bit less sophisticated than like a technology investor. Right. And so they're, they might be easier to get onto the, into the syndicate and then they can be a source of deal flow for you. They can be a source of deal support for you. Um, and if you've got a little bit of experience, like here's the cool thing about syndicates. If you can get one really good, really hot deal to get started, that can create a snowball effect, right? Where it's like, Hey, I got this deal. And once you get that deal, you put that on your resume essentially. And when you meet with the next entrepreneur, it's like, Oh yeah, I did this deal. And they're like, Oh wow, that's a great deal. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll carve you in. So it's like boom startup, almost getting Lucy chart year one could have totally changed the trajectory of my career. <laughs> they're lucid charts what probably worth what two billion right now yeah they're fifteen thousand dollar check doing would have been well. worth what 50 million now yeah probably somewhere in that range okay i mean i don't know i don't know exactly where the buy-in would have been but yeah. so from that standpoint you think that space is big big enough um sure why not i think so like it but depends you, on how you, like you've got big you've, enough what do you you've mean you've got like, a hesitation like i had a hesitation well how big do you want to get do you want to be managing like a billion dollars someday no i don't think so but, but you, I mean, like you want to run a syndicate that's maybe deploying $5 million a year? Yeah, probably. It's yeah. so like a lot of syndicates. And right. $5 million, you're pulling fee off of that of like call it 2%. That's hundred grand. Plus you're getting the carry on top of that. Like that's not a bad lifestyle. It's not a great lifestyle. Yeah, it's so not bad. A lot of syndicates right now, I feel like the easiest way where they say we have a competitive advantage yeah. is we focus on a geographic area. So Convoy Ventures with Trent Mono and Scott Paul they focus on Utah companies yeah. and their source is also Utah executives. Yeah. But beyond that, but I don't think geography don't is like super interesting to be honest. Okay. But that's where more, I feel like a large majority of them are at. We have beehive venture partners here. Yeah. Utah focus. Yep. A lot of the syndicates, I think most of the syndicates are not geography based land I think they are more personality not. based. How are they personality based? There's like Jason Calcanis, right? Okay. People like him, right? Where they've got this like big personality, and mm-hmm. these, these networks and like that's what the syndicate's really built on. I think okay. that's like the majority of the ones, that, at least that are successful. I think we, we, but you're right. Like here in Utah, we do have a bunch because even Landon will mostly look at stuff local. But what's, right? a, what's a bunch? Like there's like 10 right now? Yeah. I mean, well, it depends on how you define can it. Can we talk? Because right? you've, you've got McKay Dunn. If we do it, can we keep his name or do we need to bleep it out? He doesn't have a website yet, but he just closed a deal for about an undisclosed amount. So we're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> 
but I think his fund is public or his fund, the sponsor, his syndicate. Yeah. Um, you've got Landon with Assure, Assure's fund. Yeah. But you got Beehive, but they've only done about a couple of deals. Okay. Landon, I think, has done far more. Landon's done a ton. A lot of a lot of early stage deals. Okay. You've got the Sandlot guys. You've got Left Lane, which does auto tech deals. You've got, um, or sorry, not Left Lane, Lane Ventures. I have no idea. And are these guys doing mostly seed deals? No, not necessarily. Because uh, McKay is doing, doing like big deals. I think McKay was saying he's only interested in deals that are north of a million ARR. So that's 1 million annual recurring revenue. Yeah. I mean, okay, so Landon does like super early stage deals. I think the Beehive guys also do super early stage seed stage deals. Mm-hmm. McKay's doing like early stage. I mean, his background is he worked at Signal Peak doing kind of traditional Series A. So I'd imagine he's probably going to end up doing traditional Series A type deals, maybe a little bit above. The the Lane Capital guys that I was referencing, like they, they've done a bunch of different stuff in auto tech, uh, big and small. Uh, the Sandlot guys have done bigger deals, pretty big deals. Like I think they were in uh, Breeze, for example. So... You know, there's uh, and there's probably more syndicate deals getting done all the time. Like, frankly, all the angel groups here in Utah, like they kind of are sort of syndicate okay. type deal. So okay, but if you were to start a syndicate today, what would it be? Well, it wouldn't be geography, and the reason for that. But what just, would it be? I, but I just want to say, okay. like, it wouldn't be geography because, like, if the pandemic taught us anything, is like you can work from wherever. Mm-hmm. So I just think like the returns to geography are diminishing. You, you wouldn't create a Puerto Rico syndicate? Well, I might from an investor base. Okay. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people there. But not to bash on on Convoy or, or anybody that does I don't think we're bashing on Convoy. Uh, uh, a geographic strategy. but I don't think we're bashing on anyone here. Yeah. Maybe we should bleep out Beehive because they've, they've only done two deals. <laughs> you just like ragging on them, don't you? No, I like they've got a beautiful site. They're... That's two more deals than I've done. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I've never started a syndicate. Okay, so what would I do? I don't know. That's a good question. So this is how I would approach it. Yeah, tell me. I would probably start a podcast in a, in a space. <laughs> so I would say I'm going to be the expert of SaaS. Okay. And I would build a following. Mm-hmm. I would. This is like I think we're Seth. You know Seth uh, Godin. He's a marketer. Mm-hmm. Yep. He talks about if you want to be a real estate agent, don't be a real estate agent. Start join the PTA two years before you want to do that. Now I know that's like privileged and luxurious sure but like if you if you start with the end in mind your goal is for two years let's just go build amazing relationships in the space yep build a reputation and then when you come out you'll come out swinging because part of why i haven't started a syndicate is one i'm just too busy sure two it still feels a lot like herding cats yeah and i don't i'm at the point i would rather own it like when i look at my job and your job i love i feel like i love being a ceo more than i love being a vc yeah right because I just, I don't like having to kiss, you know, like suck up the people. And I'm not good at that. And that's, I think, when my the, when I was in the space, when I had my own You think fun, VCs suck up to people? I think, who said this? Was it Jason Calcanis? He's getting a lot of uh, airtime today. But he said, the people who are the best VCs are the ones who kissed the most girls in high school. And that was not me at all. I didn't kiss a single girl in high school. Why does, why does he say that? I think they're schmoozers. They're schmoozers. Like, when I think if I were to start a fund, who I, I like, I... Like I, I instantly go like, hey, this is the biggest schmoozer I know. Yeah, he, this person could go get fun. Like, get see, the thing that's funny deals. about that is like, I don't know if that's actually true. Like, if you look at some of the very best VCs, I have a hard time imagining them as being like the most successful in high school. But it could be. I could be but wrong. That's because I don't know. They're fat and bald now. Yeah, maybe. 
That, that's not the reasons I'm thinking of, but I'm thinking that is. So I would I would focus on building relationship for two for two years. Okay. I would probably try to focus on a particular area, and then you have a following, and then you have leverage and respect, and you can build those those relationships. Yeah. And you could help. You could work with someone like a billionaire, and then mm. one day say, "Hey, I'm now going to turn this into a career and use them as like an anchor relationship." Yeah. Instead of just coming out and saying, "Hey, I'm a syndicate," because if if you don't have a track record or any sort of credibility. Anyone who I think is a, is a smart entrepreneur is yeah. going to turn you down. Like, like people have approached me for appointment to be a syndicate and I've turned them down specifically because I feel like it's a very negative signal if you come out with a syndicate as like your lead. Yeah. I mean, again, unless you're just it depends doing, on who, Unless you're doing a seed is, round. Right? Yeah. But again, unless it's like someone like a Jason Calcanis. That's true. Like I would a seed rather, round, like it's, it's easier to do. If it's like a series B and your lead is a syndicate, yeah, that doesn't signal well. Yeah. John Bradshaw chooses to bootstrap and sell fund over having an unknown syndicate lead a deal. Yeah. That's fair. Personal yeah, thought. I think that... That could work, building a, up a community. Like, for example, one thing that could be kind of cool that comes to mind is like, hey, I'm going to reach out to all the product, the PMs, all the product managers at all, like the top tech companies. We're going to build like a really cool, fun network. We're going to, you know, pull them all in and we're going to do events. We're going to do content. We'll do podcasts, like whatever, build those relationships because the reality is product managers are the most likely in many cases to go start companies, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they basically are running a company within a company. So yeah, so you bring them all in and then you make them your investors for your syndicate. And then you're also backing people that come out of that group. So something like that, I think could be super interesting. What about an, this executive fund idea that you and I've had? Yeah, I think Peter and I have known each other for so long. I don't know where the idea originated. So Peter's going to get credit. But I thought it would be interesting John's idea. if you had a bunch of executives, you put in like 10, 20K a year, mm -hmm. a small number. I know 10 to 20 came in not seem like a lot, but they're almost buying a networking opportunity. So yeah. you're, you're kind of like selling a service. Yeah. But there's like a club. It's like a club yeah. where they get to invest. And then the startups that they're investing in, in theory, get much better advice. Yeah. Hey, let's get the CMO from, Do from Domo, an investor in this fund, put in 10 or 20K. But then there's also this expectation that time from the executives will be will be included, and that yeah. might be one way I'd compete. And that in that way, you could compete geographically yeah. somewhat. One that I've had, and I don't actually think this is a great idea for a syndicate, but one that is unique is like and, and ties into my background is there's a ton of student run funds across the country. Okay, they're all dying for like good deal flow, whether they know it or not. <laughs> Everyone's dying for good deal flow. And, uh, and, but I mean, usually they're writing like, you know, 10 K checks into like some startup on campus. That's not going to go anywhere. But the idea is basically like, Hey, you're trying to provide this educational opportunity for students. Are you bagging on campus founders fund? No, no. I think campus founders fund's great. Okay. But, but that's the local one here. I'm talking about like, you know, like university of Missouri has a venture fund, right? Like what mm -hmm. are they investing in? Well, maybe what you do is you, you go out to this coalition, right? And you build a syndicate and you're like, hey, now I've got like 30 student-run funds. They're all going to kick in like 50K or whatever, right? So that's like 600 grand. That's a meaningful check. And then you go to companies and, and you, you make this pitch of like, hey, let us invest like 600 grand, right? And we're going to provide several things for you. One, you're going to feel good about the fact that you just educated like 200 students, right? And two... If you want to do anything on campus, I can now tap you in 
30 different universities to get your brand out on campus, right? And now you've got like a pretty compelling story that you can pitch to entrepreneurs to get access to their deal and simultaneously like do a bunch of good with these schools. So like, I think that could potentially work. Now, the downside is these schools are probably not going to be super excited about paying you fees to put this all together. So that's maybe why it's not such a great idea. But I do like this idea of like, how can you leverage your investor base, uh, your background to create some sort of competitive edge when it comes to both sourcing deals as well as sourcing investors? Because that's that's the hardest thing, right? Mm-hmm. Pulling together your syndicate. What about creating a sub stack for two years prior to actually creating a fund or syndicate? You know, honestly, like this whole two year thing, it just sounds exhausting. It's hard. It's the hard work. It's, it's the secret. It is the hard work. It's the secret, right? It's like bamboo. Bamboo, you pl- the the seed or whatever is planted, right? Yeah. And it's building its roots. I think this is my, this is kind of my frustration with my lunch meeting. Again, like I'm trying to be really open, not critical. Yeah. Is that, um, you were like, go do the hard things. And he was like, I don't, I want to skip to the, the fun stuff. Everyone wants to enjoy the harvest when the bread's ready to eat. No one wants to go out into the field, plant the seeds in the heat or in the middle of the night. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like what, if you're not, if you don't do the hard work first, it's actually harder to do what you want to do, and right. you never do it, and so it never happens. Which is why he should join your fund for two years, yeah. if you let him in. Yeah, I if don't that's know. an if option. Could, if you could make the make it over the hurdle, mm-hmm. it's a high hurdle. And it's I think a high that's. Bar. I think going to a bigger a bigger thing that I'm seeing this week is people always want the easy route. Yeah. And I had a, a a founder call me today and say, John, I'm frustrated. This I'm super stressed. And I just said, Do you expect it to be any different? If yeah. it were easy, everyone would be doing it. and There know. would be no returns, mm-hmm. right? There'd be no gain. Like if everybody could be an, a great, amazing entrepreneur and build a billion dollar business, then everybody would do it and I felt nobody bad. would make any money. Because this individual was literally like, they said they had a breakdown, like nervous breakdown this week. And they said, yeah. it's not going to get better. Wow, you're it's brutal, man. But, but, but to be okay and recognize that even like individuals like myself, sure. I have the same concerns. What's going to happen? Are we in a market, a recession that's going to create a bunch of chain reactions? What chain reactions will happen or not happen? But it's fine to realize that when you're in the trenches, yeah, it is tough. And it's super tough. You know, I heard this thing recently that I thought was interesting to think about. And that is this guy who's a clinical therapist. He was like, he's like, you just have to remember that like nothing matters some things are preferable. Okay. And so this idea of like, you know, this entrepreneur is going through like a nervous breakdown, he's having a really hard time, et cetera, et cetera. Like if his business fails, it will suck, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be the end of the world. It would be preferable if it succeeds, right? But like life will go on. Mm -hmm. Life Um, always goes on. So it's like strive for the preferable, but be okay knowing that like everything is kind of going to be okay at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, thanks, Peter, for sharing your thoughts on a syndicate. Are there any other things you want to share before we wrap up? No, I mean, I think syndicates are super interesting. And if that's what you really want to work in venture and you have a hard time like getting in on a fund, uh, this this is definitely like a great way to to start, right? Mm -hmm. So, but again, like, Spend some time, do the hard work, figure out what your strategy is because it's got to be unique or, I mean, you're just going to really struggle, right? Like I've seen over the years, lots and lots of syndicates or like people do fundless sponsor type stuff and they they like rise and die, right? They they like live off of one deal and then they, you know, something happened like that deal didn't perform well or they just struggled to find another great deal or whatever it is because at the end of the day, they didn't have anything like super unique. 
They didn't have a competitive edge and they ended up failing. So if you want to go this route, like figure out like what's your edge. And it may be that you need to spend two years developing that edge, in which case do it. Uh, and it could be that you already come to the table with something interesting, in which case, like look at what you have, leverage that and, and create a competitive edge to source deals and source investors. Like those are your two hardest things. And build that foundation. It's kind of like Codebase. We started Codebase. I had done the hard work. I had been in India yep. building a product for myself. People naturally started asking me to help them and I was turning them down. Yeah. And because I had that foundation, I wasn't planning to go that route. It was so much easier when I did it. And so yeah. my point with the with the fund of with a, a syndicate is build those relationships now. It's so much easier instead of me saying, Hey Peter, I want you to invest in this deal, you're gonna turn me away. But if I can find ways to find value, help you build a network, build through serving, it's gonna be ten times easier in two years. Yeah. Plus, I'm just going to trust that you actually know what you're talking about when you bring me a deal and I'm actually going to spend the time, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of the hard part here is that like if you are leading the deal, even if you provide as much data about it as you possibly can, the reality is that in private investing, especially in venture capital, there are massive information asymmetries where you just don't know what's going on, right? To the full extent possible. Even the entrepreneur in many cases doesn't fully know. And so... Like having more of a track record where you can see around more corners is going to build more trust with your investors where they're going to be willing to take that leap of faith of like, okay, well, if John likes this deal, he's kicking in his own money, then this must be an interesting deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And that just takes time. You got to be in the trenches. You got to earn the stripes. Again, that's, that's, you got to do the reps. That's two plus years. That's like 10 plus. How long have I been in, in, am I approaching the 20 year mark? No, close. 15. (laughs) 15 years of in, of industry experience. Yep, well earned. All right, well, thanks, Peter. So if you want to follow us, go to venturecapital.fm. You can watch us on YouTube here. We've got Spotify, we've got Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review, six stars only. And hey, if you have ideas for other things you think we should talk about or questions, drop them in the comments, let us know. Yeah, go to venturecapital.fm. I can install a chat widget. And so you can just like ping us directly. Awesome. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. See ya.